I always told myself, look, I'm going to be, I'm not going to become a victim of my circumstances. I'm going to become a victim of my dreams. When you become a victim of your dreams, only the sky is the limit. Hey, what's going on? Is your host, Tolu Oyemi, doing the most. Let's get to it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. Now back to the episode. Hey, 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 what's going on, my masterminders? Welcome to another episode of Mastermind Your Life. We got KR in the building. I'm talking about Stella Phenomenon from the streets of Philadelphia. But think about this, y'all. From that to Wall Street to acquiring over 100 properties of real estate, working in Goldman Sachs, Homeowners Association, Raptor Capital Management, Truist Security. Man, we basically have a legend in the house, a business legend. KR, welcome to the show. Well, welcome, welcome, everybody. Yo, I'm fired up. Glad to be here. Just ready to go win, inspire, educate, share my story. And you know, let's just go. I can't hold back. And you know, these accolades, this this is why I upgraded to Riverside so we can do things like this, man, because I, I think now, you know, is that the how, the foresight, because growing up in Philly, you know, we've heard the stories about Philly from, you know, the crack houses and the violence and brothers killing brothers and, and the poverty and the, the low mindset and mentality. What was growing up in Philly like for you? So it was mad crazy. So I remember vividly really young single parent my mother raising uh me and my siblings and i remember at one point we were so poor that our house burned down elementary teacher come over she's bringing us some kfc she had my favorite which was original chicken but what i didn't like was that she came with macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes i'm like yo where's the coleslaw but you know what beggars can't be picky so from that day forth, I remember looking up at the stars. I was probably like at elementary school and I can really see the stars because the whole third floor was missing. And I said, I'm never going to be this poor ever again. I'm never going to be in a situation where my life is uncertain. And so from that day, I said, I'm going to build a legacy and I'm going to build out my business and I'm going to change the way I look at the world, even as a young kid. And so going up in Philly, I went to public schools. We were mad poor. We were homeless multiple times on welfare. For you guys who don't know, they're probably familiar with the EBT cards. So it was a crazy, crazy time. And so I just bust my behind going to public school. And then I got a full scholarship and went off to Bowdoin College and worked on Wall Street. And I always had in the back of my head, I got to get ahead. And so I was always motivated. So, you know, a lot of people are in similar situations, but some people, they fall through the cracks, you know, end up on drugs, you know, early pregnancy and you know like you said ebt and living in poverty but very few actually use it as fuel you know to propel themselves to become something how was it that you were able to take an unfortunate situation especially you know growing up with a single mom so you necessarily didn't have a father figure like was there like a uncle or a pastor or you know a mentor in your life that kind of fed you with hey you know what it's unfortunate, but you can make yourself into something. Well, I always told myself, look, I'm going to be, I'm not going to become a victim of my circumstances. I'm going to become a victim of my dreams. And that's very important. When you become a victim of your dreams, only the sky is the limit. So I was very fortunate to have people that really loved me and poured into me. So like my stepdad, one time he just set me down. He was like, look, don't be an F up. Like, me, your mother, or some of your siblings who were teenagers and they were they had children at a young age. He said, I may not know, I may not have accomplished the things that I know how to do, but if you apply yourself, you can change your circumstances. And so for me, hearing that vividly and looking at my siblings and all these loved ones, when I walked down the street and I saw a homeless person, I said, am I going to replace that homeless person? When I walked down the street and I saw a police officer, I'm going to replace the police officer. When I saw the landlord kick us out saying that we're going to um, be evicted if we don't move immediately, was I going to become that landlord or become that tenant that get evicted? I decided to become the landlord. 
I said, I want to own the properties. I want to run the businesses. And so I knew that my loved ones had good intentions, just like my church. They had good intentions, but they didn't understand how to do business. So what I did is I immersed myself in business books and start educating myself. And I was only like 13. I said, look, I can change the world through, through my books and through my actions. And so that's how I start to change the way I look at the world. Awesome. And one thing that's interesting is that so you continuously fed yourself from those business books, those audio books, you know, maybe YouTube videos, just different things that are out there. Because one thing that's apparent is that as life goes on, especially if there's not like uh, extreme like focus, it's easy to, you know, for people to kind of sway off the path. So but you had that burning desire that I'm not gonna end up. So that kind of kept you on the straight and narrow. I always tell people, if you have the three Ds, you have this desire, this burning desire that no matter what the world throw at me, I'm gonna keep coming out the corner swinging. Like if you have that desire that you can't sleep, you can't think, you can't eat, everything is just burning, you got that desire. Then you have the discipline in the determination. So one thing you got the desire, that's like the dream, you're fired up, you have it inside of you. And then you figure out how do I become disciplined? If you do what's necessary, then do what's possible, you find yourself doing the impossible. So I had the desire, then I had discipline, and then I had that determination. I was not gonna let anything stop me. Only thing could stop me was myself. And so that was the mentality. I said, let me get these three Ds, really fully understand it and embrace it and apply it to my life and then I can change everything. And so that's how it started at a young age, the desire, the discipline, and then a determination that despite when my sister sister was murdered or my brother one year younger went to prison for attempted murder, I said, that is not gonna stop me. I have to finish college. I have to become a successful person. I have to get the first MBA in my family. I have to become the first millionaire. I have to become the first multi-millionaire. I have to become the first family member to help other family members be on the path to being millionaires. So that's that was what was burning inside of me. So, and that's a perfect word that you use, burning, because that burning, you know, affects other things that try to douse you, that, you know, you're able to burn through solid. You're just able to burn through a lot of different things. And even the act of burning leaves a mark on things or it causes it to disintegrate. Yes. Now, as you were transitioning into college, because, you know, mindset development, like what were the things that you were doing to cultivate that mindset because obviously like you said you know the 3d so you had a powerful desire but how did you then take that desire it's almost like you know the blacksmith you know when he's you know pounding on the, the hot metal and kind of shaping it what were some of the things that you were doing to to mold because you have to have a certain mindset so for me what is so important and i also tell people when they get a coach you start when you're younger you put together your board of directors for me that means finding people that you think can take you to the next level that can help you change the way you look at the world that can help you hone your skills so for me i had this growth mindset this abundance mindset that the world didn't owe me anything. The world was set up to provide me with everything. So therefore, if I apply myself, the blessings will fall on my hands. So for me, it was like, you know, you're going from the ghetto of Philadelphia and you want to go to Bowdoin College or you want to go to Wall Street. So how do you prepare? My school, we didn't have all these books or computers and all this stuff. So, <clears throat> so I found an English professor. I said, give me all your classic books that you have that we didn't read in class. And I read a book a week before I went off the boat. And then I read um, certain other materials so I can get used to like the New Yorker, get used to the new culture I was about to embrace. So it wouldn't be foreign and I'd be overwhelmed and feel like I'm an outsider. So I start taking steps to position me to do really well. So I cut my braids off and things of that nature. And I said, look, I want to be a part of this culture. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to adjust so that, for instance, I'm not running around saying in Philly, I had someone do my braids, but I'm like up there, five black people out of 400. Some people, I ain't got nobody to do my braids. So I'm going to make my life as easy as possible so that I can focus on what is in my control. Uh -huh. 
And so for me, it was taking those baby steps to figure out what are the gaps in my education? What are the gaps in my preparation? And how do I get to the next level? And so I use that same framework today when I coach and teach students you got to have a coach that can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. So I had some mentors and people that love me and care about me. They kept pouring into me and was able to unlock the greatness within me. And so that's what I pretty much do now. Awesome. 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 Now, a another powerful thing, right, is that there's a lot of components that can drag somebody down, you know, so as you're like elevating, right, and you're like you said, you know, mentors and the, developing the framework. What were those negative blocks or components that you saw dragging other people down that you were able to avoid? And could you kind of talk to us a little bit so we can share with the audience? I think that's really important. And I'm glad you mentioned that because sometimes people who come from a very difficult background where they had um, housing insecurity, food insecurity, are they been through a lot of traumatic situations? Before I went to off to college, my brother went to prison for attempted murder for the next 12 years while I was going up the streets of Wall Street. And so my junior year, my sister was murdered by the father of her three children. Um, and so I had to figure out how do I interact with that? So one way you have to do is you gotta be willing to be vulnerable. And I mentioned that because my college had counseling. And so I volunteered to go to counseling. A lot of people are afraid to get professional counseling. They just say, I'll go to church or I'll go to my mom's. For me, I said, I can go to church and also go and get professional counseling so I can start to process this stuff. And then I also figure out how do I sharpen my tool? How do I re-energize myself? And so you got to figure out who is your team to help you feel much better. So I have a, a um, an aunt who is actually like in her 80s. And what I would do is when my spirits are down or I feel as the world's against me, I can call her, her name is Aunt Babe, and she'll say, what's up, sugar? This is your lawyer. How you doing today? Everything okay? You let me know. I come all the way up there from Maryland, hurt those people in New York. And that phone call once a week or every couple of weeks will lift my spirits and make me feel as though I feel love, despite what the world is throwing at me. Or I will listen to motivational music, whether it's secular or gospel, or I will figure out ways to go and work out in the morning at six something on a regular basis because I was filling out how do I sharpen my own tool make me feel as though I'm whole the problem is a lot of people they want to go to work they want to go to school to get their love you go to school to get an education you go to work to get a paycheck and you go to your loved ones for love and if you don't mix that up you are going to be on a good path it's because we're looking for all the things we need in the wrong places mm. Wow, that, that's that's a powerful statement. We're looking for all the, the love and the things we need in the wrong places. Um, you mentioned something that's incredible. You said that you actually volunteered to go for uh, consultations and, you know, counseling. And, you know, that's a stigma, especially, you know, within the black, like, man, what you talking about? You know, counseling. You know, it's almost frowned upon because it seems like, oh, it makes you look weak or it makes you look kind of like, you know, like, come on, man, that's laughable. Uh, but how did you how did it affect you, you know, when you went to counseling? It made me feel so much better because think about it. You're, if you're only like 18 and you have a brother going to prison for attempted murder and you're supposed to be the best time of your life, you're supposed to be going to college, he's going there, or you're supposed to be getting ready to go to Goldman Sachs to go get a job and your sister is murdered. It's so much, or you were homeless multiple times and you live with rats and roaches and all this stuff. So all it's hard to process all that stuff and be successful. So you got all that in the back of your head. So if you can help get a professional to help you unpack pack that stuff it makes you feel lighter it makes you feel freer it makes you feel as though you have control of your life and that there's someone to listen to you i think that is the best thing about it is that it helps me process what was going on at a young age it could be overwhelming for a teenager to have to process all that stuff yeah i think this now you know there's a stronger movement um we're seeing people like charlamagne the god you know black man heal thyself and some other things of that nature uh, talking about counseling so and i think even the prerogatory or the concept behind counseling especially mental counseling is something that's is quite unique um now the, the college experience because it's like you you have this incredible ambition 
you know you are also facing these incredible almost like disasters at the same time you know so it's almost like this combustible fire that can go either way so while in college what what courses do you start taking how do you start disciplining yourself like i remember you said you, you know i think it was in high school or college you spoke to your elementary i mean you spoke to the english teacher said hey give me all the books that you have i, I want to read these i want to so what were what was your, your college routine like that enabled you that when you apply to these different firms, such or, or the Wall Street and you know the the capital management, Goldman Sachs, that they said, you know what, this is an interest. We want that prospect because it's incredible. It's like it's cutthroat, you know. And there's so many people that want to get in, and you know, I want to. I'm Wall Street, and you know, Goldman Sachs, and you know, I'm gonna have. So how what what was your Routine. How did you prep yourself? So for me, because I went to, um, I, I come from an underprivileged background and also went to a public school that wasn't the best in the country. I had gaps in my education in terms of preparation. And so throughout the four years, I said throughout the semesters, I'm going to focus on honing my skills. So I had a professor, an acting professor who will work with me on enunciating words um, uh. because I would say rimp instead of shrimp. And so I would spend at least an hour a week working with a professor so that I am polished when I go to these interviews. And so I will also take a lot of courses, whether my history professor would say, hey, you you have a good heart, you have, you have raw talent, you're smart, but you don't understand American history to the depth that we need you. So he would give me the regular assignments and then give me a textbook on top of my regular schoolwork. So I'm doing double the work for a history class versus my classmates. And I wind up ending with an A minus or what have you. Uh, and so what I did is throughout the school years, uh, I would just work really hard on honing my skills and writing, communicating and soft skills. And every summer I had an internship on Wall Street, starting with American Express, where I got asset management exposure freshman year, then sales and trading at Prudential Securities. And I also spent four weeks on the Mercantile Exchange and I did the Tug Bridge program. I also did investment banking at Credit Suisse my junior year. Then I took a job at Goldman Sachs. So once you set up that track record where people know that you are very serious, that you're very skilled, and you're very ambitious and you're very polished, it's a lot easier for people to take a chance on you because they can uh -huh. see that you're very serious and marketable. And so I took all the steps to fill in the gaps. What what skill that you have seen that you have developed over you know the decades do you think is most important to your success and success that you see within others? I think the number one thing that people what I think that I've learned is that the only constant is change. And so mm. my students and people I work with, if they can master that one thing that I dare that the only constant is change, then they could be very successful. What happens is that most people get stuck in their ways. They're not willing to be nimble and they're not willing to change. Are there, They think their ego gets in the way. So for me, what I mean by willing to change is I knew that I had to focus on the three C's from since I was a young boy. And so I realized I had to get to intellectual capital. That's why I went to Bowdoin College and I went to Dartmouth and read books or YouTube or listen to podcasts like this so I can become more smart, educated, sign up for courses, things of that nature. So I get that intellectual capital. Then I had to get the the um financial capital and i got that by getting my job at goldman sachs or understanding how banks work or hard money lenders and things of that nature so i can get access to money and then i had to get the social capital the social capital is building these relationships across different walks of life so i can leverage them to affect change and serve on nonprofit boards and things of that nature or convince people to give me money and so i think once one has the ability and accept the reality the ability to accept uh, change is the only constant. Everything else flows from there. I think the thing is that most people get stuck in a ways. No, like, no, I don't want to do that. Everybody did this way. Why do you want to change? I don't want to work in that city. Why do you want me to do this? I don't want to go off to Maine. Uh, da, 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 da. 
Um, and so my family members, when I went off the boat and they said, why the hell are you going to go up there? And you like going to Canada. I said, that is not Canada. They said, it might as well be as far as hell. And my family kept their word. They said, we're not going up there. They did not go for those four years, not even for graduation. So at least they're honest and they're consistent. And so a lot of people are afraid of change. So I said, if you're open to change, I think you'll be a very successful person. Yeah. And, you know, throughout the last couple of months to maybe a year i've been hearing that so much you know the only constant in life is change like the reason why people are depressed people are frustrated is because they think things are always going to be the way it is whereas if you look at the trees the same you can never capture a picture of the same wave again you can never you know dip your finger in the pool and dip it again in the same spot ever again uh it's so interesting you know because even our mind is somehow like I, I you know one of the quotes that i really love from um dr miles Monroe was you know the people who are successful in life are not only ones that are able to adapt to change but find ways to take advantage of the change when you were in college right and you started seeing okay I was taking these small, small internships, but you're, you're building your catalog to show, you know, future employers that I have these things under my belt. I know your lingo. I know the setup, the, you know, how to, you know, navigate these worlds. What did you start noticing, you know, from the Amex to, you know, the, you know. What I learned, what I learned, and that's a great question. What I learned at a young age and what I noticed was that these professionals always especially when i went to goldman sachs which was fascinating is that you do the investment banking program you go through six weeks of training where they where they bring 300 people from around the world to new york city for training and you're taught by these professionals and what happened is they had a big book kind of like a bible we call it like the investment banking bible at goldman sachs where it would explain to you how to do an m a deal mergers and acquisitions deal how to do a comp how to do a deal comp it basically was 300 pages explaining to you how to do things the way Goldman Sachs does things. And so what I learned about these companies was that they pretty much had processes and systems in place so that if someone get hit by a car tomorrow, the whole business can continue. And so it wasn't so much driven by a personality. It was more driven by a business and a brand. And so that's what I try to do with KJ Consultant. Like on Fridays, we have financial literacy where we have one of our two of our interns talk, do a video and explain financial literacy. Or my business partner would do some videos or manage a live or teach a course because I wanted to take from what I learned on Wall Street is that you put together a business where you're not so much focused on your ego, but you're focused on the team being developed strong enough so they can move forward and delegation. So it's a lot about putting systems together, processes together, delegation. And the other thing I learned is that the team is overall more successful when everybody is eating that's on the team. So when you're greedy, that's the downfall of your team. So I start saying, let me figure out how I can build my whole team up, whether I'm giving them equity, whether I'm paying them more, because if everyone else feels as though they're empowered and being getting their fair share, they're gonna work harder to make the whole mission of the company more successful. Now that's extremely powerful. And I think that's just human nature. You know, if, if I feel like the boss is withholding funds and, you know, very, very selfish and greedy, you're it, going to turn off the morale and the spirit of those individuals. And eventually they're going to even maybe sabotage, you know, the operation, you know, because that can turn into envy. It can turn into jealousy. It can turn into hatred. It can turn into some real nasty pieces of uh, work down the line. Um, and I think we've seen that before, you know, with different companies whereby you see like fund managers are, you know, acting like irresponsible or, you know, doing some kind of like, you know, really. Uh, but where did it come from? You know, it came from there in a pressure cooker with, you know, people around them that is kind of pouring into them like that. Uh, being black, you know, and going through these programs like you said the six week you know goldman sachs intensive you know learning about the tradition and you know the bible of like investment how wh wh what did you notice about the way you were treated versus everybody else 
Well, I would say is my experience at Goldman Sachs was remarkable. Um, but to be honest, there weren't like there were probably like six or seven African-Americans that were front office. You have like a lot of people of color who made back office or operations, but I mean front office client facing out of like 300,000. Um, wow. So it was uh, quite the experience that you know that you really stand out. You have to really work hard um, to be successful and that no one is cutting you any slack. Um, and so that was that was the experience. Everybody was putting extremely long hours. So it was like uh, no excuse. This is a place where there's no excuses. Um, and so that was one thing that was very vivid to me and very extraordinarily demanding. Um, and, and, and it just opened your eyes to like the way you work, like um, uh, like what I remember talking to some people and they said, like, you're an analyst at Goldman Sachs you're, and it was successful um, African-American above me or what have you. And we were talking and also talking to someone else. And they're like, look, this place has a reputation. It's harder to get in here than it is to get into Harvard. So if you got into Goldman Sachs analyst program, you have a very bright future. And uh, we expect you to go to one of the top business schools in the country or law schools and medical schools. And I happen to go to Dartmouth, one of the Ivy Leagues. So they were right on that path, but they really drill it into you. Like, it's it's a no hold bars. It is intense. And I always tell people this way. Look, if you think that the drug dealer on the corner of Philadelphia and North Philly on Broad Street, if you think he's going to be crazy over $5,000, imagine how intense the people on Wall Street are going to be over hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. I tell people they will kill you in your mother's dream. So it's so intense. It's so intense. Very intense place. But I, I think, you know, the pressure is amazing because you cannot, as a human being, reach certain levels of potential without there being some kind of pressure. Your back being against the wall. You having to pull out more of yourself to be able to handle situations. Because like you said, the drug dealer in Philadelphia, he has to come up with all kinds of schemes. He has to come up with all kinds of plays and all kinds of is just that he's doing it maybe in a negative situation, you know, and you hear a lot of the Jay-Z's and the Dame Dashes and them saying that, yo, like that same ambition and that drive and a lot of those intangibles that you have on the, the Philadelphia, you know, street corner, those can also be seen within, you know, the top, you know, sharp talk, you know, being able to get straight to the point. What were some of the characteristics of the most successful, you know, members or analysts or, you know, uh, hedge fund managers or individuals that kept rising to the top? What, what, what did you notice? I, I think that the ones that were, they, they had mastered um, what some will call emotional intelligence. So when they walk into a room or whether they're doing an interview, they have the ability to communicate and understand what is going to vibe with the person on the other side of the table. Like their ability to say, look, I want to connect with you on a personal level, not just necessarily on a money level or on a business level, but how do we connect and read each other? Those people had really good uh, soft skills. They also had the bare minimum analytical skills. So they had the basics covered. So they knew the basic English skills and basic math skills and things of that nature. But all of them had this burning desire in, in them to be very successful regardless of what it is. Um, and I would think that the ones I know were very collaborative. So they're always thinking they have a growth mindset and they also have um, a partnership mindset. So they're always saying, okay, what? how can we enlarge the pie here versus making this uh, a crabs in a barrel approach? So it will be like, how the two of us, after this conversation, how can we elevate each other's business? How can we take each other to the next level? Um, how can we partner in so many respects? So when I was around those people, they were always thinking outside the box, trying to peel back the onion to say, okay, let's make sure we get the most out of this experience. And so it's like, if you buy a property, I want to make sure we're going, we're getting the highest and the best value out of it. If I have a business meeting, I want to get the highest and the best value out of that meeting. And that means that if I buy a property, I don't just want to fix it up and rent it out and do a refi. The other thing I may want to do, like I have in my apartment building, is I bought the apartment building, but I'm also going to figure out a way to raise the rents, but I'm also probably going to put vending machines in there. I'm also going to work out a relationship 
with the towing company so I can get extra income, or I can buy a single family house. Uh, five, I have a five bid, a five apartment building where we have a like a piece of land on the side. I'm thinking about turning that into a parking area where we're gonna charge people to park in addition to the three garages. So it's always thinking about the growth mentality, also thinking about the abundance, and also thinking about how can we both eat here, whether that means you're involved in your contractor or the two of us. So when I was on Wall Street, I paid attention to those those type of people and they just had this ability to connect with people and think about how can we add value for everybody. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, as human beings instinctively, intrinsically love people that add value to us. You know, it's such an amazing feeling to be around people that are passionate about adding value to you in, you know, different aspects of your life. Uh, Now, working within Goldman Sachs, people, and it's interesting because I spoke to um, Anaje Barnes. I don't know if you know him, but he's a Nike account executive. went to school for like uh petroleum or chemical engineering and now he's in real estate i think with like 40 plus properties and the growth mindset that you're talking about he i think acquired like a multi-family like eight units something like that uh some kind of apartment building so now he's gonna pit it as like a do something with airbnb to it but he was also talking about like that monetization you were talking about so he's going to put like a two-row component to it he's going to put like some scooter and vending machines and also like artwork within there that people can purchase from these artists so it's quite interesting to hear about like not just sticking to the traditional model but finding ways of growth around that when you were within goldman sachs people would be like man like you you hit the lottery man just you know keep going get your rolex watch at the end you know your lapel pin and retire what made you what i know from the start you were like after experiencing those situations with the landlord and seeing this man you know dictate the family's future you were like one day one day what from gold sacks was your first venture was it real estate was it did you dabble after i left goldman sachs i went to go work for a three billion dollar long share equity hedge fund in boston covering u.s home builders and uk home builders and financials which is banks and insurance companies and asset managers and so um i always had in the back of my mind that i wanted to be an owner so the thing about creating real wealth in this country is that the fastest way the most powerful way is becoming an owner of assets our owner of of businesses. And so at Goldman, I was still an employee. And so I said, I have to figure out how do I get to the other side of the table? When I was at the hedge fund, we were interviewed 600 CEOs from around the world. And we were asked some questions and then we would invest our investors' money into these companies. And I said, how do I get on the other side so I become the owner of something? So that was always the game plan to figure out how can I get all the skills that I need um, the way I looked at Goldman Sachs, the way I tell my students that if you join my team and we coach you, if you want to be a great swimmer, join a great team, because then you're going to have a, gro- a great coach and you're going to learn the culture and the way to do business the right way. And so I joined Goldman Sachs and firms like that so I could become a great professional. And then I took that to build out my own brand afterwards. And so that was always my mentality. Got you. And it's interesting that you said that you guys interviewed, you know, 600 CEOs and then you would decide, you know, which ones to put the investors money behind because you must have like an incredible understanding of like certain like mentalities and, you know, traits to look for that would determine but of course you're looking at like a PL sheet and like oh yeah you know, different right. kinds but of also things. you're looking at soft soft things as well so when i'm with my boss and he's like kr like that guy was completely lying he was sweating the whole interview like we asked tough questions he doesn't know what the hell's going on with his company so you get to learn how to be a detective in many ways and in my course we teach people how to be a detective in terms of when you're interviewing property managers or you're 
you're interviewing a real estate broker or you're interviewing a lender or you're interviewing a mortgage broker, you want to be able to learn, use, use these detective skills to figure out if someone is going to be a good person or a bad person or if they're trustworthy. So it was, it was not only learning that analytical part, analyzing financial statements, but also those interactions. So you start to pick up some of that emotional intelligence skills. Nah, that's, that's extremely powerful. And one thing I'm starting to realize from talking is the power in the must for people at certain levels. I think for really anybody, but like the emotional intelligence, to be honest, you're probably the first post person I've spoken to that talks about emotional intelligence. And then even when you look at the world we live in, emotional intelligence, I think maybe because we live in like a patriarchal kind of society, like emotional, what do you mean? You know, it's kind of like swept under the rug. Um, but you're so right. Like everybody's a person at the end of the day. Absolutely. Think about it. Like I worked at Goldman Sachs. I went to Dartmouth, won the Ivy Leagues. Um, a lot of people have podcasts, right? And a lot of people have real, own real estate and they're business people. There, A lot of people would tell me why I'm going to start a real estate consulting business that's going to teach people real estate when they said there are already a whole lot of them. If that was the mentality, we wouldn't have Burger King, we wouldn't have Wendy's, we would just have McDonald's, but you have five guys because the riches are in the niches. And so if we could figure out what is their emotional connection on the other side of the table, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or whether someone's lying, we can use it to our advantage to be very successful in business because we all could find someone to do the basic stuff. Like I could find someone that know how to write. I could find someone that know how to do math, but can I find people that really understand uh, connections with other people? And that's the hard part. That That is what puts people a step above others, I think, personally. Wow. That's... Uh... That's that's extremely powerful. Okay, so you know your Golden Sachs, you know, then you go over to Raptor Capital Management, but you're still thinking to yourself, hey, look, I want to be on that other side. I want to be the uh, investor, having money to invest into these ownership because that's so because that's where the real money resides. That's, that's oh let, I think we got uh tell them to bring me my money. Yeah! Oh man. So you know, talking about tell them to bring me my money and ownership. What what were some of those initial ventures? Was it real estate? Was it uh vending machine business was it you know small acquiring of businesses agencies what what was some of like the initial when you were thinking about ownership well, i think that what really happened for me when i was younger and my my family can attest to this is that i was a good artist so in elementary school i would compete for art competitions just as many to win saving bonds. So I started doing it just to make the money. I was like, how much this, I'm doing that competition. How much this competition? So I always had that money mentality. And then the other thing is when I was younger, I used to gamble and I'll play spades and I would take everybody's money, but I stopped because I would take my own mother's money and it was just getting out of hand. It was like the devil. So I stopped, I stopped doing that. But then it elevated to, I start writing uh, essays to win money. So I would just write essays to win money. So it started from there, but in terms terms of business, uh, I first started by buying my, uh, I also started cutting hair to make money in college. That was the other way. So I always was trying to figure out a way to make some money on the side, whether I was doing art competitions or I was writing essay competitions for money, getting extra money from scholarships so that the bursar's office would have to give me a big refund. I went to a library and applied to all these scholarships just to get the extra money. And then, uh, and then I was cut here. And then it really started when I bought my first rental property. So I bought my first rental property in 2009, a foreclosed property. And I fixed that up. And I said, I'm going to focus on buying a three bedroom, one and a half bath that's in the middle of the block. Because if you buy on the corner of the block, you have more windows and you also have concrete. So it's going to be more expensive. So I said, let me get in the middle of the block, three bedrooms, one bath a roll home, let me focus on that for the first nine or 10 years. So from 2009, 2009, I had one door. By 2018, I had nine doors. And they're all very similar type of houses because I wanted to become a master at that versus a jack of all trades trying to be everything else. And so a lot of people were like, oh my, you moving mad, slow KR. Oh my goodness, people passing. You've been in the game almost 10 years. You only in nine doors. Damn, you slow, bro. You ain't never gonna make nothing. But I had said, look, I'm gonna keep my nine to five job. 
so that when I do these rehabs, not only am I going to get the the track record to show these people that I can rehab and get the money out, I'm gonna put it in a savings account. So therefore I have a large down, I have a large reserve with hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then in 2018, I bought 27 units. I, I went from one unit in 2009, nine units 2018, 35 units in 2019, and then 105 in 2020 was because I had that discipline, that focus, that track record, then the relationships and the reputation. And then I had the three C's, what we talked about earlier, intellectual capital, social capital, and financial capital. Put the three C's together and the three R's together and nobody can touch me. So so basically you were able to, to go slow initially and really learn, really learn the ins and outs. Because if you look at what's happening in the world, everybody wants to go like a speeding bullet. And you know what so, they go. do? What's so funny is people say, KR, can you tell us when you had a mistake? And I tell them, unfortunately, I don't have one of those stories because I went so slow and I was so methodical that I was able to track every single thing. And so if you take your time, I always tell people things done well are done soon enough. So if they're done well, they're done soon enough. You understand every facet. You can check yourself. You won't be overwhelmed. You won't miss things. And so I was very fortunate to slow down. I tell now, if you want to go fast, you can go alone. If you want to go far, you should go with someone else. And so my business partner, Joe, he was one of my private students. In 2018, he had zero doors. Now he wow. has 60 doors uh, because, <laughs> because if you have a good coach, right? If it took me like 11 years to get to 105, it should not take you that much longer because I should have a roadmap and processes and systems that you should be able to, you should be able to learn from and copy and get on my back. That's, that's how I see the way the world works. Wow. That's probably one of the most powerful testimonials, you know, I've heard in a, in a long while. The real estate is such an interesting realm you know you're seeing this this explosion of entrepreneurship probably for the like last couple of years especially what happened with covid you know it drove so many to be like you know what i'm not safe i could get cut the people who did get cut said whoa even if i get another job the same thing could happen um and a lot of people are eyeing, you know, their attention on uh, real estate. And surprisingly enough, a lot of the entrepreneurs and coaches that I work with are within the real estate realm. Why do you think that is one? And then, you know, two for beginners. I think like beginners are so over, oh, wholesale, yo, flip, bourbon. Hey, you want to rent some You know, there's like, all these different, you know, terms that are just being yelled at them 24 seven with attractive marketing and get in here, you know, and like, how, how do people then say, uh, which one do I go with? Or what well, are the next I, what I do think steps? that, and that's a good question. That's the reason why I decided to come out of uh, the dark. Pretty much. Uh, I wasn't on the scene of social media and educating because I was focused on myself. I was becoming a master, mastering my own craft before I go out there and start talking about stuff. I think that what what one should be skeptical because the the real estate educational space is not uh, regulated. So therefore you have a lot of frauds and you have people without track records. So one, you wanna make sure if you do decide to take a course or have a coach, make sure you ask for receipts, ask them for some of the addresses that they supposedly own. So you can look them up as public information, see if their name is on the property as the owner. The other thing is that if you find a coach, you know that you want to go to single family and then you want to go to multifamily. Make sure that you have a coach that have gone taken that journey. You can't take me somewhere you've never been. So you want to make sure that your coach also have a growth mentality and um, mindset as well. And you want to make sure your coach has a vision for you and a vision for himself. So I can't coach you to be the best KR. I need to coach you to be the best version of yourself. 
And so you need to also check credentials. Um, I, I, I know I'm old school. I know some people say, oh, you don't, you don't need anybody with no credentials. That's just going to kill you. No, no, no. I think it's okay, especially when you're beginning. You want to make sure that they have track record. You want to make sure that they have receipts. Check to make sure that they're really the owners. Um, and also, it, like, they're legit. Like, I had my real estate license. I have my MBA. I have my BA. I worked for investment banks. I covered U.S. home builders, U.K. home builders. So we're bringing different things to the table. Um, and so what you're supposed to do as a newbie is stack the odds in your favor. And so like my course is four hours. You learn how to analyze any market, learn how to analyze individual deals. But we're also going to give you a list of questions to ask the property manager, the lender, the mortgage broker, uh, the real estate agent. So, that you know, the key steps you need to take after the course, in addition to knowing the key terms. But we're also going to give you access to my team and I for the next 12 months at no additional cost. It's only going to be uh, $349, just a one-time cost. And and you can, we'll check and do check-ins once a month. And some people say, oh my goodness, KR, how the hell can you charge people that, that little bit of money? I said, one, because my students are my legacy and two, because I'm rich. So if you're getting paid off, you're making money, all your money off your students, of course you gotta charge newbies all that. I understand if it's an expert course, you charge a couple thousand, but newbies should not have to be paying all that and be asking you simple questions because they're drinking fire from a fire hydrant. How are you supposed to know all that information on day one? So for me, I think that it's very important. How much money are you gonna have to pay? How much value are you gonna get out of the experience? Look at receipts. Make sure the coach has a track record. Make sure they have some credentials and talk to um, former students. That, that's what I would tell newbies. Yeah, this is uh, extremely powerful. And to that point as to so much, like you said, stacking the odds in their favor. That's a concept that I think municipal, extremely few people would like this. But they're like, when yo, but he came from the streets, so he turned his life around. He was he was just he just got out of prison three days ago. Now he owns 50 units. And then I asked him, but did you look the person's address up with their name? Is their name or anything? No, he said he don't be giving out that because he don't want everybody in his business. I said, but then you probably don't want that to be your coach then. Mmm. Mmm. Oof. Mm-mm. Man, and it's interesting to see the world of coaches and entrepreneurs. And uh, one of my business partners is 10 years older than me. And immediately he was like, man, a bunch of scammers and you know, da, da, da. and you see there's coaches and entrepreneurs that flashy marketing lights, you know, coming out Lamborghini, you know, all kinds of like gadgets and gizmos to, Yep. And they get people in. And then those people, they get in and the coach entrepreneur has dedicated so much time and energy towards the branding and marketing that nothing, there's nothing really of solid of substance in the inside for the purchaser to bite and sink and learn from that people get burnt. And I think what's happening now, you know, and when I work with coaches and entrepreneurs, I'm like, yo, before somebody's buying your stuff, they transform into DEA, FBI, CIA, all the alphabets, because they want to do the research on you, see where you're coming from. Is this legitimate? I, people have been burnt. So they're like, I don't want to get burnt again. Um, so it's exciting and refreshing to hear somebody be like, I'm not going to charge you an arm and a leg. I'm you are my legacy. Yeah, if you, if the, if I'm already rich, when in 2018, I used to make about $85,000 for the whole year in terms of my rental income. I had my regular job. And I used to be like, yo, I'm killing this son. I'm killing this son. Uh, because in 2009, my rental income probably was only like 8,000 for the whole year. So I was like, yo, I made that thing go up 10 times, baby. Yo, I'm the bomb, I'm the bomb. And now every month I make close to 100 grand in rental income. And so it's a whole different ballpark um, when you actually own these properties and you have a paper trail and you have settlement sheets and things to show that you really you are who you say you are. Uh, it's a whole different ballpark. And I learned from working on Wall Street and all these places. It's kind of like the movie Titanic, if you haven't seen it, where they have old money and they have new money. And I realized I'm going to be in a bucket with the old money because it's very hard to stop something you can't you can't even, you didn't even know what's coming you can't even see it 
Wow. It's a lot easier to shut something down than the guy with the biggest mouth. Hmm. This is this is extremely uh potent. Um and it's I feel like it's a learning curve for people too as well. Nowadays you have to get stung almost to then reevaluate and say, okay, I'm gonna be asking for receipts. And people don't know what the receipts are supposed to look like. Um and so that's why I was very concrete with people saying, look, I need to know your your real name, um, the name that's on your ID. So when I look at these properties or if you go by KR, then when I look at the properties, it should say owned by KR management. Um, you should be able to have an LLC. If you do have an LLC, you should have a, a, a document that has your name on it. That's how you know people are not frauds. Um, and so and if you know anybody like Warren Buff, you know, a lot of people who are making big moves, they're not flashy, not showing it off at all because they want to stay under the radar. Their money is working for them. So why would we be flashy? And jeopardize that, you know, man, it's, uh, Warren Buffett's book, Tap Dancing to Work, was a really awesome book. But you look at our community and the opposite is true. As soon as people get a little bit of money, Prada bags, you know, Gucci t-shirts, you know, all kinds of Porsche trucks and all, it, it's busting out the scenes, you know, like I, I you always are. tell my mentees that I would rather for you to have uh, cash flowing assets than um, liabilities that your money just going to be going out the window. So I'd rather you come, don't come to me talking about I got my first BMW, come to me saying I bought my first apartment building or I bought five apartment buildings or I own the entire Ooh. block. Yo, saying, Mark, yo, I know I you're going to uh, edit this podcast, podcast so, so at that point, I want you, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a social media snippet right there. All right, so that is, that's what I want to see. When my mentees come to me and they sh can show me a statement with their name on it, like I own over $200,000 at Apple, a hundred grand of um, Amazon or what have you. When you come to this table with stuff like that, I don't give a damn about your little car. I want you to show me six figures in multiple places where your money is making money because there are three ways you can make money. One, you can make money with your hands, which is it's, it's an honest way to make money. Two, you can make money intellectually. So you're like a lawyer or what have you, or a judge or what have you, or you're a podcaster. And the third area is your money making money for you. Therefore, you can sleep and the money's going to keep making. The, the wheels are going to keep turning. And so I decided that I wanted to go from making money with my hands while I was a, a summer student uh, in high school doing work. And then I decided I was working on Wall Street as an employee. And now I want to create assets that's making money, whether it's my Amazon stock or whether it's my apartment buildings or my single family homes. I want to figure out or whether I have partnerships with other companies, whether it's a towing company and they're giving me 50% cut here or a cleaning business, I have a cut there. I want to figure out ways. How do I make money? Oof, man, this is, this is like a multi-million dollar interview. Uh, I'm just, I can't I'm wait. just telling people I did not retire from Wall Street to work harder. I retired to work smarter and have more control over my destiny. So I just tell the young cats, look, see if you're, I'm 38, you're 28. When you get older, the next 10 years, what do you wanna be? Sit back and let's map out how we're gonna monetize our profit centers. So we have profit centers, right? Your profit center may be podcast. Your profit center may be a, real, a rental property. It also may be a digital marketing. How do we get the most money out of each profit center you have three so now spend the next 10 years maximizing each one mm, powerful versus powerful, trying powerful. to have 10 different profit centers and you ain't making nothing either one of them eat any one of them <laughs> oh man oh uh, what has been out of your students what has been like a really interesting story or extreme like success story that you're proud of well, the number one I'm proud of, my business partner, Joe Mears of KJ Consulting.
So in 2018, we worked for the same company. He happened to be on vacation and someone at the firm said, hey, let's talk to KR in Boston. He's a real estate guy, but he works for the company. And apparently he's doing this real estate thing. So Joe's on vacation. He stops into the parking lot on a cell phone like, yo, what's up, KR? Everybody keep talking about you, a real estate guy and you work at our bank. And so I gave him the rundown. And he's when he got back from vacation, he drove from New York all the way up to Boston area to take me out to dinner and say, look, I, I want to be one of your students. I want to learn from you. What, what can I do? I, I decided to take him under my wing and coach him as a private student. Then he became a debt investor where he invested with me um, and I paid him back like a promissory note. Then the next thing he did is over the next 12 month period, he was able, with my coach able to buy like eight or nine units within one year. And then after that, um, he decided to partner with me on like two out of like my five or six apartment buildings. Um, and so we became partners. And then he said, KR, I know you're extremely busy. I know you're busy as hell. I think we should, this private tutoring is nice, but we should start a, we should start a company where you pretty much use the same model you taught me and, any, and many other students around the country. Let's start KJ Consulting. And so now we started KJ Consulting and he helps me run that. He runs the day-to-day -day business. I'm the face and the vision and stuff like that. But he was able to go from zero doors in 2018. Now he has 60 doors. So wow. he's one of my students I'm extremely proud of. Another student is Joe Adu, who is a tech executive and his wife is a teacher in, in the Boston area. And he owned zero doors like in 2018. Now he has like 10 doors because he just said he doesn't want to do this real estate stuff like that. But he owns 10 doors in Columbus, Ohio. And I have another student who owns doors like in, in Maine. So um, Birmingham. So the, it's a model that we've been able to perfect that I spent a lot of time building out and teaching other people. So, but Joe and a number of those guys are like my favorite students. They've been able to grow in so many different ways. Wow, this is this is impactful. I, I'm super excited. And it just sounds like your students that this, not only just learning about real estate, but even from being in this conversation, from talking to you, so many mental gems about life, you know, about decision-making, about analysis, about emotional intelligence. So they're probably learning a lot about, you know, life too as well. So, you know, as we're wrapping up the podcast and I would, <laughs> my mastermind is if you're listening to this and you're interested in real estate, this is completely blown out of the park. Uh, I love y'all. You know, I've spoken to you, but this is amazing. But if you're interested in real estate, hey, I'm gonna drop all the links in here. But how's the? What is the best way for people to get in touch, in contact with either you or Joe, so they can get enrolled into the program, or maybe a, a coaching call, or maybe you know, like an ebook or a webinar or something of that nature. So the best way to get in touch with us, as you can see, KJ Consulting, K A Y J A Y C O N S U L T I N G, KJ Consulting, our IG page. And when you go there, click on the link in our bio, that'll take you to my webpage where you can subscribe to our letter that we sent out to our students to let them know what we're doing and all our properties, how we're creating value. And also on that link will also allow you to uh, sign up for our course, which is on September 18th. 2021, 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we're going to pretty much teach you how to analyze any market in the country, analyze individual deals, give you the key sheets uh, and the key terms so you know what to do, and then work with you throughout the next 12 months doing check-ins for the low price of $349. We also do consultations if you want a 45-minute consultation, $199. Uh, and um, pretty much and we, we have a mastermind course, but that's for people who are a little bit more experienced. Um, and that is going to be, I think that is in November. So wow. if you go to our webpage, you go to our individual, uh, uh, our individual page, KJ Consulting. Trust me, we are going in Monday motivations, Tuesday tips. Tuesday, we go live 7 p.m. You can ask any questions for 30 to 40 minutes. Wednesday, we do workout tips. Friday, we do financial literacy. So we're just trying to bring you that original content that's entertaining and educational that's going to elevate your game. And I always believe things done well are done soon enough. If you do what's possible, then do if you do what's possible and you do a little bit more before you know what you're doing, the impossible. 
So do what's necessary. Get up in the morning, be a good person, be a good leader, be a decent person. You don't have to be perfect. Put one foot in front of the other. Do what's necessary, then do what's possible, and you'll find yourself doing the impossible. I never thought I would be worth more than $5 million. I was a poor kid with a negative net worth. But if you apply yourself, you'll be amazed what the world will give you back. Mm, 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 mm. And, and, and there we have it, folks. There we have it, Mastermind. is KR from the streets of Philly to net worth of over $5 million, now pouring back into the community pouring back into you esteemed listeners i would say even if you're not interested in real estate tune in like he said you know financial fridays you know uh, workout wednesdays there's a lot uh, going on that he's able to so go sign up so you can get the knowledge and information man kr thank you again for you know just taking an hour out of your day you know spending it with us and and thank you for you thank you for who you shaped yourself under the extreme pressures of life the fact that you had a less than desirable you know childhood but you've been able to transform that into fuel to who you become and not only that a lot of people can say well i i, I did it i got it i'm just gonna chill and keep you know but for you to be like you know what let me pour into others so I think that goes to show the caliber of, you know, what kind of person you are and even the legacy too as well, because we remember people for how they impacted others too as well. No, I had a blast anytime. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys, I, I might have to, to get out of here, my masterminders, and chop it up with KR for a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And I really want you guys to tap into, you know, what KR is doing. I just feel like this is like 10 diamonds combined together with like liquid that you can drink that's gonna enrich in your life and enriching your generation's generation's life. So definitely please tap in guys. Hey, I appreciate you for listening to the Mastermind Your Life podcast. Again, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, T-O-L-U dot O-W-O-Y-E-M-I. And blow up my inbox, man. I need to hear your suggestions, feedback, people I need to interview next, topics I need to cover. Again, I appreciate all y'all. And while you're at it, you might as well go to Apple and drop that review. Let's get it. Rah.